Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning and welcome to Still Growing in Grace. Uh, we're back uh, into a routine at least. I was off for a couple of weeks uh, doing some much needed holiday time. I could sure use a bit more. But anyway, it was, it was good to um, not do the stuff I normally was doing. So it was, it was a restful time. Um, and we got renovations going on on top of that. So it wasn't that complete rest time, but it was, it was good. It, mentally just to check and pause. It was, it was really good. But today, um, I think what I'm going to do for the summer, I'm going to try and uh, um, have more conversations. I'm, I want to look back at some of the programs that I have aired way back a couple of years ago that uh, some of the conversations that were fun or could still be inspirational. Um, not that they aren't all, of course, they're all inspirational. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, there's some conversations that um, you would have clearly have missed. And because uh, um, the last couple of years have been awful, especially with COVID and um, all that fun stuff. So today um, we're going to be uh, rewatching a, a conversation with Paul Sedal. Uh, I've watched Paul's stuff for a long time. He's a really good guy. Um, he comes more from a charismatic uh, kind of background. But to, the reason I want to show this one, um, some of you may identify with the journey. Um, I have my story of how I've come to uh, be here today in, in where, I, where I sit, where I've unlearned and learned, how I came to faith, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'll talk about that sometime. Um, I, I've snuck it in here and there. But... Um, I want to. I want you to hear Paul's story. Um, he, uh, he sat on a panel that uh, uh, they were talking about the idea of hell and all that stuff. Um, and I, I know I just connect with him. I really like him. Um, he's he's an enlightened fella. That's for sure. And so I think I like it. So I'm gonna watch with you. I'm I'm right here live, and I see the comments. Sandy, hey Sandy, good morning. And Jacob, good morning. Um, but I and. Jacob says, uh, inspirational. I, I think this will be inspirational or at least encouraging because you may even identify with part of the story. And that's my hope because the more people we have sharing their story, we're going to start to identify with different parts of people's stories and go, yeah, that happened to me too. Or I, that, okay. I was wondering why I was struggling with that. Um, because I've had, listen, I've had to unlearn an awful lot. I'm not done. I am not done. Uh, but I'm also not throwing out everything. I'm not putting dynamite into my faith and just blowing it up. I, I am not for the um, demolition of faith. I'm in for the deconstruction, renovation, or what I've said before in this program. It's just basically it's discipleship. We're learning and maturing. The disciples had to learn. They unlearned. And so in the same way we do. So we're not done. We're still growing in grace, which is why I'm doing this one. So no more introduction for this. Let's get into the conversation. Uh, comment and what you like. I think you're going to like it. Here we go. Oh, Global Online Ministry Alliance. And then I'll turn on my tablet to see if I can see any, if anybody's commenting. So that'll be fun. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, so we're live. We were actually live. Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Mike Zenker on uh, Global Online Ministry Alliance. I hope uh, uh, you got a couple minutes to join us today. I am with Paul Sadal. Is that how you say it? That's correct. Okay, good. He's a buddy I've just gotten to know a little bit. I've I've watched his posts. I've heard him. Yeah, speak a little on, bit. Yep. I've uh, watched you on a panel. You were speaking with um, Peter Hyatt, and you're talking about hell. I think the last time I I saw. Oh, and, I know. I kind of got that all generated too. I was talking to Mike Owens, and I said, "Go out there and ask ministers about the age of accountability." Oh, and watch him squirm around and swim. And he goes, oh. let's talk about this in Denver and have a panel. I said, okay. Yep. No, well, we're not here to talk about that topic, per se, it, although, although it may come up. Um, <laughs> so for our, our guests that are tuning in, um, uh, the reason I brought Paul on is uh, this, this program is called Still Growing in Grace. And the reason it's called that is because we're all still growing in grace. We've not arrived. Uh, I know there are some ministries that say we teach the pure message of grace or we're the real gospel or the real grace. Well, guess what? As soon as you start that, you exclude everyone. You become the elitist and you can't be wrong. So I'm trying to say, guys, let's keep growing together. There, there are so many tentacles of, of the Christian love of Christ in all of us. Those that yes. are part of the Christian church and those that are not part of the Christian church still expressing the love of Christ. So I brought Paul on because I'd like to hear his story. I want you to hear it. I want you to be encouraged to hear that somebody else has walked through a journey of a, a, an experience of spirituality, of Christian life, of, of, of grace and identity and where they're at today. But hearing the stages or the gates they've walked through can be a real encouragement to those of us who may be at a certain gate or a certain place of questioning or deconstructing in a certain area. So that's why I brought Paul on. So Paul, um, say hello. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you've come from. Okay. Well, the, the major qualification I have right now uh, is failure. <laughs> uh, when I was, <laughs> uh, when I was, I came to you. I came in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and all that kind of stuff. And so, I come from a background of uh, early Jesus revolution. And what's that? And that was in the in the early seventies uh, when the Jesus movement hit. Oh. And it hit it hit right after uh, riots. Uh, right after everything that we're seeing right now, it's indicative of a great spiritual awakening about ready to occur because right after this happened in the late 60s, yours truly came on board because Christ was moving all over this nation and thousands of hippies were being baptized. In I was just born in the late 60s, man. I, I was just born then. There we go. And so uh, in the uh, mid-70s and 76, 77, as a very young man, uh, with hair down to his elbows, Christ, no, I didn't find Christ. This was called the great interruption. Mm. He interrupted my life. And I, I wasn't that. sad, and I didn't have a needle in my arm. I was going around with a big smiley face as a happy hippie, not a sad one. 
So it wasn't I was so down I came. I just woke up. That's all there was to it. And after that, uh, I impacted the high school, or Christ did, because this long-haired hippie, every, he became the talk of the whole entire high school. And, of course, it required an explanation. And so I, I readily gave him the explanation. Uh, and then I went to Bible College, uh, so Trinity sorry. Bible College. I'm kidding. <laughs> yep. I went to the seminary. No, I mean the cemeteries. I mean yep. the seminary. No. <laughs> they have value. Definitely have value. And right after that, uh, you know, I went straight into um, associate pastor, uh, then full-time pastor, all the whole thing. I hate using terminology full-time. You know what I'm talking but, about. But it's a, short, it's a short 25 years old. Explain it. Yeah. And uh, 25, I was already pastoring my first church. There was about 20 the first Sunday and 12 the next. And then it grew to around 90 to 100. And then I ended up down at Grace Fellowship of Indiana, in which in that pastorate, I put my hand on a book called The Rejection Syndrome by Dr. Charles Solomon. And I heard the terminology way in the early, or I mean early 90s and late 80s, you are not doing in order to be, you are being in order to do. So this kind of terminology was way back in me, wow. uh, back in the early 90s. Did they I call was that always, the, was that called the exchange life back then? called the exchange life and it was one of the most remarkable uh, studies because he put it straight out jesus didn't come to mend you he came to end you mm, <laughs> and I like it's that. not about the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he didn't come to mend you he came to end you and dr solomon says when you've come to the place in your life when you figure there's no other way out but death congratulations yeah. you have arrived at the truth so that's like <laughs> However, the end of there is a way to hmm? That's like the end of the trail of brokenness, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yes. So the exchange life was discovering uh, that um, we exchanged our identity for his identity and that um, we were placed into eternal life and Christ is not only our Savior or our Lord, he is our life, and we need to acknowledge him, not only as Savior, Lord, but Christ, who is our life. Now For that, me to live is that is a huh? big, That's a big, big shift from what you were doing in high school and your early pastoring work, right? Like, what was exactly. the biggest shift? What, what, what about that moment or that gateway that you walked through was so impacting? What was that? big awakening that you had at that moment? Because I think you had many other awakenings since then. Yes, I think that when, um, to tell you the tr truth, uh, when you come out of an Assembly of God Bible College, you do not believe in uh, uh, the uh, security of the believer. <laughs> it's and all up to you, so, right? Yes. <laughs> and so when, I, I, it was so, I'm just having to say uh, from my background, to come into Romans 5, 1 through Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, and teaching Romans. And he says, having therefore been justified, we have uh, peace with God and have access into this grace wherein we stand and boast in hope of the glory of God. So what we have here is um, 
that word was the aorist tense, and he introduced me to the aorist tenses. And I think the aorist tenses did a whole lot for me, and that was just one of them. Hmm. Uh, first aorist tense is, what is that? A one, it's not just past tense, so it's a one-time event that is never, ever repeated. It is finished, it is over, it's completed forever. Though it has effects in the, in the future, and in this time, but it happened one time and it will never happen again. So therefore, what's the therefore, 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 <laughs> having been justified and that, ED, and that ED on the end, that's not an old fashioned, you know, African-American preacher. And the Lord, no, justified, glorified, <laughs> uh, called, you know, all those verses. And I would go down to Mexico and I said, I don't know how you're going to do this, but put the ED on the end of the word. Jesus Christ did not save me. And he looked at me, the translator. I said, put Jesus Christ saved me. E.D. He justified me. I was crucified. Past tense. So it was, and that's, and that's Aris tense. One time never to be repeated. And so after I realized that once this occurs, it never is repeated, then mm. my doctrine was monstrosity. My doctrine was a monstrosity. And it oppressed me. For the first thing that removes the joy of the Lord is a false view of God. Wow. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And, and the first thing that restores joy in the Lord, which is your strength. So to remove a, 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 the, the correct view of God from you, joy, which will remove your strength. But if you have a correct view, behold the Lamb of God. I get preaching. Sorry, you guys slow me. (laughs) (laughs) I get going. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away, and you see this beholding, and uh, this taking away of the sins of the world. Well, that changes your view of God. Therefore, and and when that happens, that, that restoration of joy, these things have I written unto you that your joy may be full. Mm-hmm. So that full joy, it might only been this level, but this is full joy now coming up, which restores strength and stamina and courage and faith and belief and reliance. Why? Because I'm beholding something I never beheld before. Like so so okay. can, I, can, I go, can I go back to, because um, what you just said, I think is really important. You're talking about, uh, your view of God became clearer, right? That's right. So, well, let's go back to when you first had your uh, in the peace days of uh, hippie days. You had mm-hmm. a revelation of God. Was it complete? No. But then no. you had another, right? You had another expression. Uh, uh, God came to you and said, "Okay, now you're ready for the next one," and so on and so on. And we don't have to. I don't think we're going to get to where I want to go to today because of what you just started, oh, right? I know, but. It's like the scriptures. We have old covenant writings that revealed something of God, but all of the entire Old Testament text is an incomplete revelation. It's not completed. Exactly. It was not made complete until Christ stood there and said, hey, Philip, if you've seen, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So 
the Old Testament is not the place you get your image of God from. So I was really intrigued when you said you got through through that one gate you walked through of with Charles Solomon, you saw something of Christ as my life. And I think the Western church doesn't even see that. Not even that. I know. You're right. We can start there because you and I have a, an exchange life background. Yep. And when I bring up some of the terminology to uh, uh, people that have been in the background now in this new new movement, Baxter Kruger, Kruger yep. and all the great. They people. don't know Christ as life. Um, when I bring up this, I bring this terminology up and people get stunned. Yeah. And when you integrate it in this. Uh, it's fantastic. And you're, you're right. It comes at different levels. And when we deal with our brothers and sisters in Christ, you need a spiritual master. You see. Mm-hmm. Who's the spiritual master in your life? I'll tell you who a spiritual master is. He has the ability to look at a diamond in the rough mm-hmm. when nobody else sees this person. And he can look at this person and though they're on that stage and though they're stuck right here, right now, the spiritual master already sees them unstuck because the Holy Spirit has opened their eyes to this disciple and nobody else sees this. And every minister out there knows exactly what I'm talking to. If you're a true minister of God, God opens your eyes to see the heart of this young person. And you know, they're just a work in progress. Mm. And the first thing you have to do, Never might look. It goes like this. Leave it to Beaver, right? <laughs> Wally comes up the Beaver, and Beaver says, I'm in big trouble, Dad. Uh, uh, Wally, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? He says, well, whenever I'm in trouble, I get got Dad talking about all the times he failed <laughs> and what he did as a prankster as a kid. And when I get him talking about the pranks he did, then I tell him the one I just did. <laughs> then he's lighter on me. Okay. Whenever I'm dealing with somebody, I think about where I was when I was 31 years old, where I was when I was 40, and how this great grace grabbed me. And it, it didn't, his grace doesn't slip on you at all. It holds you to the very end. So you just his said grip, it grabs you. Yes, exactly so right. Are you trying to say he's the initiator? Mm-hmm. He's the initiator, and he is very persuasive to all free willers. He's also the completer. You know, I mean, this is how he is to all the free will people. Yeah. Uh, if you don't want to preach that everyone has this opportunity, like the people in Nineveh, okay, well, God uh, has a big fish for all you guys, and he's going to swallow you up until you come out of that fish and say, I'm going back to those people. I said <laughs> That weren't, <laughs> you got it. So I've been persuaded in many different ways. But the biggest way is when um, William Booth of Salvation Army, uh, and this is where my growth talks still about growth, is he said, when you go out and minister to somebody and take them out in teams, he would say, don't go by the natural. I want you to do the exact opposite. Whatever your natural man says, I won't walk up to that guy with the teardrop tattoos. Let that be the first person you walk up to. I love that. Yep. And I had a team of guys and I took them and they, you could tell they were afraid one time. 
and we were at this like uh, flea marketplace and I saw this guy. He looked like I, like the worst guy, the most resistant guy to this whole thing. That if you looked over, spanned with your eyes, and there he was, the tattoos, the, the, the all of it. I went straight up, up to him, handed him this mustard seed, and this guy goes, oh, if you don't have faith like a mustard seed. And he was like the most welcoming guy of the whole bunch that day. So Wow. Interesting. That's what I'm talking about, to look at people and realize we're all work in progress. And yep. it takes the eyes opening like Samuel. Yeah. Look not on the outward. This is the guy. I have my hand on him. He's progress to get where you're at. It may take him only five, but it took you 10, right, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yep i uh i love the scripture verse in uh second peter no first sorry second uh, first john 2 where it says i speak to you children because you know uh who your father is and then i speak to you children because you know your sins are forgiven i speak to you young adults because of this because you've overcome the evil one yes. i speak to you fathers because you know him who has been from the beginning so there's a stage of growth there that um many people think they're farther ahead than they are and yes. the, one of the lessons, and I think you just alluded to it, is if you were, let's say, in the young adult stage, you don't make fun of the children. You don't go, come on, grow up. We understand the children and we see them as children and the completed work that they're going to become, right? We, if you're a father and you're or an adult, exactly. you don't see those that are growing different stages and go, come on, how come you're acting like that? Like there, there's serious understanding and love and grace that's not about being the corrector because some people like to replace the Holy Spirit for that. Um, but let the Holy Spirit do the work that has to be done in that person's life where they're at right now. And you and I can't know that. Right. I, so I, I think there's so much growth that is people are ready to grow. They just don't know how, cause they've been, they've been walled up by a religion uh, the systems of religion that control how far in you can go. And let's time to burst those walls open. Go, uh -huh, uh -huh. That building doesn't even exist. I think also what I've learned is that uh, um, we in the West are pretty much discipling people from a head to head uh, engagement. And uh, over in the East, it's not a head to head engagement. It's a heart to heart engagement that mm -hmm. when people are mentored and trained in Christ or the Lord, uh, it's a heart to heart. You mm -hmm. take this journey, you bring them into the heart. Everything that stays right here and does not translate out through the heart will not be Christ-like. All theology must come down into the heart of experience. Mm -hmm. And Paul said this, if you go through all this preaching and keep preaching and keep preaching to people, and what you're doing is teaching them to preach, and you're not doing this. These things that you have heard and learned of me, these practice and the God of peace will be with you. Where's the practice? Uh, the practice is getting up every day, coming into your centeredness in the heart, being a feeler, not just a thinker. Mm. Now we in the West teach differently. Well, differently. We, we have cubby holes, true. right? Everything has to be. That's cubby holes. Yep. So I need to take the disciple and teach, uh, teach him something that the East teaches. And that is uh, you don't even have to uh, use words. And in fact, to teach you is inferior using words. 
What I need you to do is to be in silence. Let's be still together and know that he is God. And let's do this in a synergy kind of way. Let's corporately experience being still and knowing I am God. And then guess what? You will learn something about God that everything this man could say to you could not teach you. Because mm. this is learned by not talking to your wife. This is learned by sitting with your wife quietly, hugging, watching Netflix, and eating popcorn together and saying not a word. Do you think this is a our, feeling? Do you think then that some of uh, un, unintentionally, maybe, many individuals who are growing in this message of grace and have created platforms of ministry, if you want to call it a platform, I'm just go with me on this. Um, whether it's a, uh, an online ministry, a teaching thing. Um, do you think they've made them, they're trying to raise themselves up as the one for people to come to when what you've just finished saying is all we're to do is sit with people and allow Christ, the one in them already to become their mentor teacher. Like, okay. We're on, you're, yep. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? It just came to me. Remember? Yes. Yes. Uh, if you feed a man a fish, you fed him for a day. You teach a man to fish and you fed them for a lifetime. So what our job is, is to teach these people to fish and to teach them first. First of all, you don't go to the temple. You are the temple. You don't go to the church. You are the church. You don't go to the river. You are the river. You've got it every day. And just as much as you've got that even more so, do you have an app inside your spirit to access on a 24-7 the life that you are? And the and signal's always you have, strong. We have left teaching. Yes. The isness of God. You mm. know, he, they must believe that he is. Christ is my life. The Lord is my, my life and my salvation. The Lord is my refuge and my And to sink in, you come here. And you come to the heart and you just sink into that isness because mm. the isness is the nowness mm. and the nowness is this. There is therefore now no, no, no condemnation to those that are in Christ oh, yeah. Jesus. The nowness is now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly. That's nowness. Wow. Woo! Oh, I get preaching again. <laughs> I like One guy said to me, he says, he says, are you afraid what to preach on? Do you ever get afraid on what to preach on? I said, this is not my problem. My problem is what not to preach on because I've got <laughs> Too much. tons of sermons going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> so let me, let me, uh, cause I'm, we're looking at 10 minutes time left. Um, uh, we're going to have to do this again. I really hope you're willing to, because I think this is fun. Um, but from the stage of hippie day to then becoming a pastor uh, to then discovering Christ as life. Do you remember what your next gate was that you, that was kind of a big deal to you? It's not going to be the same as my gate necessarily, but do you remember what the next one was? Well, number one, all her failings and recoveries are the mercies of God. Both our failings and recoveries are the mercies of God. And I would say those stages of progress happen through failure, many failures and through failure comes the desperation. And when the desperation occurs, comes the search. <laughs> and when the search comes, if you're a child of God, or you are a child of God, we all are, but 
uh, an awakened that was close. child. That was close. I know. <laughs> an awakened child of God. Um, <laughs> the grave clothes are still coming off of Lazarus, okay? I love it. <laughs> so, Keep so, going. So, 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 uh, so, um, so this progress of desperation led me to the works of other people. And I would say, read, 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 read. But once the key to my life, I think, was that I, when I read a good book, I read the bibliography. Mm. And if I knew that if that man got something, Dr. Charles Solomon, I want to know where he got it. Mm. And I went and read all his books. And then I went and read all their books. <laughs> and then I went and read all their and their books. And then, oh, was I learning stuff. And that landed me one day on Baxter Kruger. And he started talking about the atonement because I came out of penal substitution. Yep, me too. So now the next thing that happens is this awakening to Christ didn't change the father's mind. His mind was made up. And that registered with me. It was very easy to fall into this theology. And I know it was for you too, probably, right? Yep, I don't know absolutely. why it is difficult because having this hang on, great- hang on. I'll, I'll tell you why it's difficult, I, I think. Um, for you, you have been hungry in this process for a long time. Yes. You've already tasted the good of God uh, and you were ready for the next. So when it was in, when Baxter was introduced to you, you resonated already because mm -hmm. what was, he was saying was true. What didn't make it true. It was already true in you. And when you heard it in his words, you identified with it. So when people have a hard time hearing this, they have not come to a place of being prepared for more and better. And therefore it's a shock to their system. So, it depends when you are introduced to certain people, right? I, at least I think so. I, that's what I'm reading from you. It's exactly right. And I exposed myself to the teaching. And when I do this, I even uh, read oppositional th uh, teaching. In fact, you can learn a lot from it. Mm -hmm. I learn a lot from uh, Clark and other people that taught on entire sanctification, though I don't believe in it. But when I read the guy and he says, anyone emptied of all, sin can be nothing but filled with all God and you know you go Ooh. <laughs> you know and you can see and you can start reading the all passages of people that are bona fide universalist and uh, even though you might just turn into a hopeful uh, it, it, you're still going to get blessed by reading in Adam all die so in Christ all will be made alive you're still going to be blessed with, uh, you know, he convenience that he might have mercy on all. So this progress happened. And that's what I'm saying to you. And what is going to happen to you when you become a part of this all group? What group are you talking? Well, yeah, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yeah, all we like sheep have gone astray, but there's this other all group. Mm. And this all group here is these words. If I be lifted up, I will draw all to me i thought it said and some that just some and so the all started piercing into my being yep and of course i'm a man that doesn't believe that the word of god can uh contradict itself in the end i believe there's the solution to it not uh contradicting so when other guys want to be hopeful i'm sorry i'm a man that lands straight into this 
one way or the other kind of thing eventually, yeah. because I don't believe Jesus is capable of contradictions. Mm -hmm. So I have to land on a scripture that says, I didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And that becomes my proof text. And the others I look at in light of mm -hmm. that. And yeah, nothing like, can change the stuff. What? It's like it's like that verse for me where Philip talks to Jesus, "Hey, show me the Father." That's one of my big verses. That everything begins with Christ, whatever He says, right? So, like, like you're gonna, you probably have run into people that have said, "Yeah, but what about?" You're talking about the word "all." That's nice, <laughs> but what about what? How do you react to some of that gently? Of course. Are you asking me this? Asking you this, yes. Say it one more time. So when people come to you, you're, you're telling them about this all, like I will draw all men to me because you, like you said, you're going to hit it in one side or the other. Um, but for those that are not seeing this, they're going to have a rebuttal right away. One of the first reactions I've heard over and over is, yeah, but what about? And they have all their, their failing verses of why we'll never make it. You know, well, how, what the how, mm -hmm. how do you react typically? Well, the first thing when they do an all but is I usually respond with, well, we all know what comes after a but. Poo poo. Okay, but. <laughs> poo -poo. Or steel-toed boots. <laughs> and so there, there might be some, some, some dung that comes after that but that we need to count as dung. Yeah. It's good Ooh. fertilizer for good things. Hey, it is a wonderful thing to, to <laughs> uh, reflect on the fact that it is the manure. <laughs> that contributes to the fragrance of the rose. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, besides this, besides this, I just come in at number one, I'm an intense human being and most people can't take me for very long, but I still get some stuff to stick on the wall. And I call it this, I call it uh, coffee morning rethinking. Mm. They resisted you, they didn't listen to you. People come to me and say, Paul, man, you know, they don't want you talking about Christ all the time or overdoing it or whatever. Yeah, but I've had a lot of those people come right in because they went to that next morning drinking their coffee out on that porch. And those all verses started to come back. Mm -hmm. And then those thoughts about the cruelty that Christ, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit would engineer mm -hmm. a body as engineers to reconstruct a body with nerve endings that would feel fire and yet make this body to last for eternity. In other words, they got rid of the execution of what? The, ele the electric chair because people would fry on that thing hmm. and put, they, they found out they had to cover their eyes cause they pop out and, and you pull that lever and the guy's shaking. And, and you can't wait till, they, till he's dead to, 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 to release him. Not our God, according to that doctrine. He loves to just hold his hand down on that lever and hold it down forever. And it doesn't matter whether they were uh, just, uh, you know, we're not talking about the Hitlers and the Mus Mussolinis. No. When you really play this doctrine out and, and, and have them do that, play your, play your thinking out here a little bit. Yep. Could you really, could, oh, wait a minute. could you you're, hold you're, that lever down? You're actually asking for, an, you're actually asking for an honest conversation then, aren't you? <laughs> I, I, 
and that's why I love the East. The East said this, this is what the East said. And uh, like I told you uh, in our little talk yesterday, uh, you know, Paul the apostle was a master, Epimendes. In him we live, move, have our being. So he studied other cultures, other religion, other spirituality. He was equipped and he knew where people were talking about and he knew how to take parts of their, does it not say, yes, one of your poets that you're all God, you know, you're all his yeah, offspring. Yeah, I love that one. And, and so, so I'm going to do it too. <laughs> if Paul the Apostle can do it, Paul Sedell can. But um, what they say is that um, the East says there are three things that Christianity, Judaism, and Islam all believe. They all believe God is your creator. They all believe God is your provider. And they all believe God is your punisher. Wow. And the East, my friends, Hindus, they say this, that if God can be your creator and be your provider, it is inconsistent of him being your punisher. Oh, man. For he would provide a way in which he would never have to come to the day of punishing you for eternity. The same God that created the soul in his image, and the mm -hmm. same God that created the soul to provide for, to leave the 90 and nine and go after that which is lost and flawed, to bring it back constantly, to never let go of this human being, promising he would never leave him and forsake him and then say that he's going to punish him. No wonder the Hindus of this world look at us like we're crazy, crazy we Christians, yeah. because they have a better view of their deity than us. Well, what we need to do is to come back with that and say to them and say, we have this message. Hmm. Christianity has preached this message for the first 300 years yeah. and then the 1500s and it, and it got polluted. And so the East says this also, if I, your teacher, teach you anything that is not consistent with your heart, hmm. if any sacred text that you read is not consistent with what you know to be true. And even if I, your teacher, you're a great spiritual master, teach you something that is not registering with the compassion that you know to be true about God in your heart, reject my teaching as well. Mm. Uh, that's, I was about to ask you, I'm going to ask you anyway, but you've almost answered it, I think, but you may have something new for those. Cause we're going to, we got to wrap this up. Unfortunately, um, for somebody that has heard something that triggered today, uh, a permission from their heart saying, Hey, there's more here. What would you say to them today? Um, as we wrap this up, um, I would, how'd you, how'd you yes. Okay. I would say to them today, to take some moments and be not a thinker, but a feeler. And just put your hand on your heart and be still and know what? That he's God. And what you need is you, if you receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. Mm. And the more you orient, orient yourself in the heart instead of the head, because we'll never agree, any of us, you and I, any of us, will ever agree completely with the, with what we think in our minds. Right. Oh, but brother, we sure think, we sure agree in our hearts, don't we? Yep. And it's, and I can end like, this is a good one. Okay. John Wesley, 
came Charles Simon, Simeon, I think they pronounced it, came to John Wesley. And they were fighting out over eternal security and everything else. And he came, and one was a Calvinist, one was an Arminius. People don't maybe know, but here he comes to him like this. And he says, John Wesley, before we pull out our doctrinal daggers <laughs> and uh, begin to uh, touche, let me ask you just a few questions. Could you ever come to this enlightenment and this awakening without the Holy Spirit? And John Wesley says, no, I could have never come to this awakening and know who Christ is without the Holy Spirit. And he says, and dear brother, do you expect you could go another day still knowing about this and still seeing this without the Holy Spirit continuously re-engaging you in this revelation? He says, I couldn't go but another minute. He says, then my brother, let us put away our doctrinal daggers, <laughs> for this is all that I know about my Christ and all you know as well. And here we are in the heart of the matter. You know what the heart resonates is true. So go to the heart, ponder here. Don't just ponder here. I know we need this. We need the teaching uh, you know, like I tell everybody, PowerPoint, teaching people to swim using PowerPoint. <laughs> my, kids, my kids will all drown in the pool, you guys. Okay. Um, I need to get them. You know, I don't sit them down in the Sunday school room and uh, teach them how to swim. I'm going to get them into the pool of experience. And the pool experience does not occur in the mind. Yep. It is here. So we come here and share this together, not just this. Cool. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Still Growing in Grace uh, with Paul Sadal. Hopefully I said it right. I keep forgetting. Um, yeah, it's all right. That's great. You'll right. forgive me. At least you didn't do what kindergarten did. Well, Phil, they right. used to say it. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn off the live stream for now, and then I'm going to take another couple minutes with Paul just to have a quick chat of a hopeful next time. But So thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Still Growing in Grace. Oh man, that was fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I saw some of the comments from the different places this is streaming to. Um, that is that is really cool. Uh, each of us have a journey and we're not done. I love the ending part, you know. Can we know what we know without the Holy Spirit? No. Um, and sometimes we fight over things with others um, for what they we think they don't know and then we're mad at them for not knowing it. Well, that's pretty immature, actually, because we don't get mad at children for not knowing things. We educate them. We help them grow and learn and mature. So why do we do that as adults? Um, it's interesting. Anyway, we, we, I think we have so much uh, riding on our doctrinal, doctrinal beliefs, our, our cubbyholes. We have our careers, our reputations. Um, because if we're wrong about something... First of all, admitting it's awful. Uh, two, if we're wrong, then maybe there are other things we've been wrong about. This is why people are afraid of, of growing deeper in grace, because it requires the admission you don't know it all. Uh, and it requires you to unbind the tight knot of certainty you think you have. 
but that tight knot of certainty actually prevents you you stop there from growing that has to be untangled so you can continue to grow so maybe there's a tight knot that god is trying to untie sometimes you have to if it's a rope you sometimes put water on it to um get it ready or whatever or who knows but maybe we need to learn to be teachable maybe the holy spirit's already teaching us something today i hope you enjoyed that conversation uh that was fun yeah sandy it was so good and jacob good morning to you jim down in uh windsor good morning bud uh it's great to see you and i see there's a few others watching right now um looking forward to next week i don't know what's up but uh this summer we are going to have some fun by the way i do want to tell you two things I had a talk with Jen Shaw, my office manager. Uh, she's my office manager for Hope Fellowship and for Growing Grace. Uh, we were talking about some conferences. Every year in January, we've been doing a conference. Two years ago, we had Paul Young come. We did a Grace and Grieving conference, really amazing conference. Then COVID hit two months later, and so we weren't able to do much since. And then we did an online conference this past year um, on, um, how can I forget, forgiveness. Pardon me. And that was really intense. That was a lot of work. And we had a lot of contributors. Um, I won't do it as uh, that many next time. But here's the two two ideas that we're rolling around with right now. And Paul, uh, just now in this conversation we just had, um, pretty much confirmed um, the first conference. And it'll be a shorter one, probably in November, on identity. Uh, Who am I? Um, How to... The things that keep us from growing, not knowing who we really are, uh, our oneness, our union. Um, so I'm going to be uh, thinking that through and seeing if we can uh, find certain speakers that will speak to that topic from various places. So if you've got some recommendations, email me. Uh, the second one is we're going to do a, a grace and grieving event in January again. Um, uh, just like we did forgiveness last year. So every January we want to do a, a, a conference or an event. But this one's on grace and grieving. Last time with Paul Young, it was more on the loss of um, uh, loved ones and such. We're going to touch in on that this time. This time I want to look at the grieving of the last two years. <laughs> uh, COVID. Uh, the grieving of relationships. The grieving of country or countries that are just in agony right now uh politically spiritually families messed up you name it so how do we walk through if we don't recognize that it's grief going on um we're going to struggle to try and figure out how to walk through it so i think it's going to be a really important event and as the forgiveness one did when i started doing those conversations and pre-recording those things honestly it came together on its own so I don't know where this next one's going to go, but so identity probably in November, and uh, and then two months later we're going to do uh, uh, a larger event, Grace and Grieving 2023. I think you're going to love it. So anyway, stay tuned. That's kind of what's up our sleeve. I'm just leaking it up to you now because uh, I love doing this. So anyway, I hope you're enjoying these programs. I hope it's an encouragement to you. Let me know if it is. Um, but uh, those that have let me know already, thank you. It means a lot. Um, That's it. You guys have a great week, and we'll see you next time. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. 
You can also visit HopeFellowshipYCC.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at GrowingInGrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.